Let's pray together. And now, God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts together be acceptable and pleasing to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, on social media, sometimes people begin a post with the words, I was today years old when? And whenever they post that way, they begin that way, uh, usually what's going to follow is something that they've learned that just blew their mind or something that made them question if they really ever knew anything at all in life. Maybe you've had some of those moments. Here are some that I saw online that uh, were some ones I thought maybe we could relate to. Uh, I was today years old when I learned that the straw in the Capri Sun packaging is supposed to be the dot of the eye. Now, because our projection's taking a break this morning, you can't see this film, but if you had these photos, if you had a Capri Sun package, the straw goes right in where the eye's at. Never notice this. I struggle all the time trying to get that straw in that packaging. And there was a clue. I was today years old. This was a legit one online. I was today years old when I learned that baby carrots are just shaved down big carrots. I can't tell you how many times I went to Shirk's Garden Center and was so disappointed to not find seeds for baby carrots, thinking, man, they have everything there, but not this. Um, I was today years old when I learned how long owl legs are. Now, since you can't see this, you're going to have to trust me. But when you lift up the gut of an owl, it is impressive. The The legs are long. You would think it's just the feet at the end, but not so. And the last one, I was today years old when I learned that classic American Gothic painting of the farmer is a picture of the farmer and his daughter, not his wife. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Now, do not get your phones out to fact check me right now. (laughs) You're going to have to trust me at some point in your life, and now let's practice that for 20 minutes, okay? You can check me later. I did look up three different sources because I was so stunned by that one. Apparently, farming is very hard, especially on females, because she looked like she was his wife. So, I don't know how old Nicodemus was when he met Jesus, but I imagine, there you go, look, she is not happy to be a farmer's daughter either. I mean, that's one of those expressions where it's like, mom, another photo, enough. So Nicodemus, I don't know how old he was when he first met Jesus, but I imagine if he had had a Facebook status or a post, he would have posted, I was today years old when I learned I had to be born all over again in order to see the kingdom of God. His mind was blown. Now, Nicodemus, let me tell you about him a little bit. He was a religious leader known as a Pharisee. Author Frederick Beekner said that he was like a religious VIP whose list of credentials was as long as his arm. He was a Jewish ruler, a ruler of the Jews, a teacher, a trained theologian charged with teaching others the way of God and enforcing the laws. Nicodemus knew a lot about faith and religion. And it's safe to assume that he was probably a very devoted man of faith a man who prayed faithfully to the one true God of Israel, a man who was devoted to God and to his people, a a man who, for above all things, the Torah and the law were special and to be held. It was his job as one of the Pharisees to know every commandment and to know them well and to teach them. 
And so I imagine people around Nicodemus, and maybe even Nicodemus himself would have said, he was the man with all the answers. And yet he comes to Jesus with questions. Questions about Jesus, questions for Jesus. Nicodemus is one of the seekers that we learn about in the Gospel of John. People who come to ask questions. Nicodemus has seen or heard about these miraculous signs of Jesus, and he wants to know more. And what's interesting about his story is that there's no hint of ulterior motives with Nicodemus. There's no sense of this setting up a trap for Jesus, which Jesus will encounter with lots of other religious leaders. It really just seems to be Nick at night who has some honest questions and wants to talk to Jesus about it, but he's surrounded by all the noise of everything he's ever known, everything he's ever taught, everything he's ever believed. So Nicodemus and Jesus, they share this very fascinating, mind-blowing conversation one evening. And unimpressed with Nicodemus's resume, religious resume, or even his his, uh, wonder at these signs, Jesus gets right to the point with him. And he says, Nicodemus, All the noise of everything that you've ever been taught, that you're familiar with, is keeping you from hearing God. All your achievements, your morality, your rule following, your heritage, your position, none of that is it. You must be born again, born anew. Nicodemus, you've got to take it from the top and relearn everything that you've ever thought you knew. Now, poor Nick, I, I don't know what he was expecting when he came to this rabbi who had done these wonderful things, but I think a lesson on childbirth and being born again was not it. So Nicodemus says to Jesus, how can anyone be born again after being old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Now, I've heard my fair share of blonde jokes over my lifetime. And one of my favorites is the one about the guy who was driving a car with a blonde and he asked her to stick her head out the window and see if the blinker was working. And so she did and she goes, yeah, no, yes, no, yes. It took some of you a little bit. I can tell that joke because I'm a blonde, all right? So if we get that right. Now, because some of us like to think the very worst about people, often Nicodemus is thought of as this coward who comes to Jesus under the cover of night and as kind of the blonde Pharisee who would ask such a question of Jesus when the answer would be obvious. But I like to think that maybe it's just an an honest response. I mean, maybe it was an honest response of someone who thinks more concretely than abstractly. Maybe it was a response of someone who's trying to buy a little time because he has no idea what Jesus is saying, and so he's just stalling while he figures it out. But maybe Nicodemus is also talking in these deep ways with Jesus, and he's saying, when you're old, How in the world do you unlearn everything you've ever known? How do you unlearn being the person that you've always been? I mean, surely it must be harder to do that than to literally be born again from your mom. I mean, Nicodemus probably didn't feel like he had a choice in who he had become. I mean, most likely he grew up in a Pharisee household. Most likely he was in Pharisee school from a child. And he was on this course whether he wanted it or not to be who he was. And now Jesus is telling him he has to change all of that in in lots of ways, the core of what he believed because of Jesus. To radically change from viewing the kingdom of God the way he's viewed it as a Pharisee to now viewing the kingdom of God through the lens of Jesus. 
No easy task. I don't think that Jesus thought Nicodemus was a coward or clueless. I mean, Jesus seems to really honor Nicodemus as a respected theologian by having these deep conversations about things that Nicodemus wasn't familiar with, that no one was familiar with, and entrusting them with them. I think Jesus sees potential in Nicodemus and a a desire within Nicodemus for something more. He recognizes that. He comes at night, not because it's night and he's afraid, but John, maybe the gospel writer, means that he's in the darkness of things he can't see and he wants to see, and Jesus sees that. And he says, you do need to need more, no more, Nicodemus, you do. And the only way that's going to happen is through something like a rebirth, a whole new creation. And so you imagine Nicodemus thinking about this and being challenged by some 30-something-year-old carpenter without any formal training who's challenging him to completely rethink what he's always thought. So it's really no wonder that Nicodemus goes away pondering all these mysteries, right? I imagine Nicodemus had many a sleepless night in Jerusalem as he pondered what Jesus said and as he was listening to all the noise of things he's always known, trying to discern what to listen to and what next step to take. Our encounter with Nicodemus in John chapter 3 ends with a lot more questions than answers. It's not the last time that we see Nick. A few chapters later, in chapter 7, we are introduced to him again. Some of the religious leaders are talking about what to do with Jesus. He's creating a lot of problems. And when some of them suggest that Jesus be killed, Nicodemus alone is the one that says to his colleagues, wait, wait, let's listen to him and give him a fair hearing. And then the third and only other time that we hear about Nicodemus is later on in John, after the death and burial of Jesus. Nicodemus goes with Joseph of Arimathea to Pilate, the Roman leader, and asks for the body of Jesus. And they take the body, and Nicodemus brings with him this expensive, exorbitant amount of spices. And he and Joseph wrap the body of Jesus in these linens and with these spices with tenderness and care, and they place it in the tomb. And I have to wonder when Nicodemus wrapped this broken and bloodied body of Jesus if that nighttime conversation played in his mind. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so too must the Son of Man be lifted up, so all who see may believe. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believeth in him shall live. For God sent Jesus not to judge the world, but to bring life and hope and salvation. I mean, Nicodemus says this really beautiful and tender thing for Jesus, and I wonder why. Was it because he was just really sad about the loss of this great rabbi? This teacher who seemed to know some things and do some miraculous wonders? Or at some point did Nicodemus be forever changed because he saw the Son of Man lifted up and he believed? Did Nicodemus ever find a way to, to listen above the noise of everything that was familiar in his life to listen to God? And what happened three days later when the rumors started that he's not dead, he's alive? Did Nicodemus go and see the resurrected body of Jesus? Did the same hands that watched and tended to that dead body 
embrace this living body? Did that change at all for Nicodemus? Did Nicodemus ever finally write that post, I was today years old when I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And I have been born anew not by my own works, but by the work of the Spirit alone. I wonder if he had that post. While many believe that he did, the Bible doesn't actually tell us. But I hope that Nicodemus no longer asked, how can this be? But one day was able to say, this can be. Because it happened to me. You can be born anew, again. You can start over. Now, I've not birthed any babies, so there's no secret being divulged today. But I have been present for the birth of three babies. And that's miraculous. That is something to behold. It's, it's traumatic too sometimes. But it's amazing. And here's one of the few things I know. I'm by far not an expert. Um, but the babies don't do a lot in the whole procedure, all right? Sometimes, I mean, science has shown us that they emit some enzymes and those things, markers that let the mom's body know, like, oh, something big's about to happen, and things are beginning to change. And the baby moves just automatically into a position trying to find more room. But beyond that, it's the mom who does the breathing and the pushing and the screaming to birth this baby. Unless it's a horror film, babies don't just crawl up on out of the mama. There's some work done beyond itself. When we were born, we had no control or power in bringing about our physical birth. And I wonder if this isn't part of the reason that Jesus uses this metaphor when he's talking in this story. Because the same is true for our spiritual birth, or our birth from above, or new beginnings. Almost everything in John 3 makes it clear that this is something that we have very little to do with. What we can do, what Jesus tells Nicodemus to do and for us to do, is to try and silence the noise, turn our gaze upon the sun lifted up, and allow the Spirit to do what only the Spirit can do in our lives. And Nicodemus, Nicodemus hears these words and hopefully responds and we see the change in his life and the invitation for us to hear these words anew too. I mean, Nicodemus spent his entire life trying to control and engineer his way into the kingdom of God. It was a checkbox check kind of faith, something that some of us are familiar with. You know, we focus on externals like going to church and reading the Bible and fasting and just being good people. And even when Jesus tells him that he must be born anew, Nicodemus' first question is, how? How do I do this? He was expecting that Jesus was going to show him the way. He didn't expect Jesus to be the way. Jesus is the way to God. And when we look in faith to Jesus, receiving what's been done for us, not what we've done, our nature is changed. The kingdom of God is opened to us. And we're given eternal life to the fullest, not one day, but in the here and the now. The Spirit of God is always on the move. Like a spring breeze, some of us have been joined this weekend. We cannot conjure it up, we cannot control God's Spirit, but we can open the windows. We can open the door of our lives, the windows of our hearts, and allow that Spirit to move in us by the space that we create for God to do what God can do. We can open our lives, turn on airplane mode, 
and allow God to work. In our Lent small groups that started this past week, we have over 65 people here that are gathering together to learn rhythms and practices that help to create space to listen to God. And they learned in this first week that uh, it begins deep within us in this desire to hear God. And that that desire, when it's already in us, is the work of the Spirit. That nudge is the work of the Spirit in you, in me, beckoning us to God to open up our lives to him. And that is our role to open the space. I want to say, I, I find Nicodemus' story so honest. It's hard, but it's honest. His story is a story for all of us who have more questions than answers. The older I get, the more questions I have than answers. It's for those of us who spend more time than we care to admit wrestling with matters of faith. It's the truth that Jesus meets us where we are, even more so in our curiosity than our certainty. May we be brave enough like Nicodemus to ask questions, even ones that may seem silly, and trust the answers even when they may not make sense. His story is one for those who have lived with a certain lens our entire lives about what is important and what matters most. And yet we think the things that we hear about Jesus and the things that we sense with the Spirit are making us seem that maybe there's a crack in that lens. God does new things all throughout Scripture, all throughout our lives. A church that's courageous enough to not limit who God can call as their lead pastor, I think, understands this. The wind blows where the wind blows. How can we as individuals and a church continue to be born anew through the love of God rather than loyalty to what is simply familiar or known? Nicodemus' story is also for those of us who come to Jesus in the night times of our lives, in the darkness of pain and loss, fear and anxiety, Loneliness, those who come exhausted and depleted from trying to bird things on our own. You don't have to pull yourselves up by your spiritual bootstraps, friends. You don't have to have all the answers. Jesus knows you want more, a more that is more profound than anything, a rebirth. And the desire of the Spirit of God is already at work in you if you recognize that. And the invitation is to turn down the noise, to focus our gaze on the Son of God lifted up, and to open our lives to the work of the Spirit, the Spirit that wants to birth something new in all of us. Wherever you are this morning, whether in darkness or in light, I want us to hear these powerful words once again, because they can't be said enough. For God so loved the world, that God sent forth God's very self in the form of his precious son so that everyone who dares to believe no matter the darkness no matter the questions no matter the noise whoever dares to believe will not die but will have life life now and life to come for God did not send Jesus to condemn the world but to offer us life and hope and salvation. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together.
God of open windows and open hearts, we are all like Nicodemus. We have many questions. We cannot fathom sometimes what you teach us. We are mystified by what you do. The noise, God, of the familiar, of what we've always known, can be so loud. Yet, God, we dare to believe and to listen to your voice above all others. For you call us from darkness to light, from despair to hope, from death to life. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen.